0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello everyone, welcome to
1: this week's Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at life and league, including a big interview with one of the sport's biggest names. It's a cracker this week. Paul Rowley, the head coach of a team hovering around about the playoff picture. A lot of noise around the Red Devils at the moment. Could they get in there? Adrian Morley telling us on the Love Rugby League podcast last week that if they get themselves in there, just get in there, he said, And they could cause a few problems. They could upset a few people. Well, Paul Rowley's there to talk all about that. He actually has a bit of a go back at Adrian Morley. Morley telling us last week that he wasn't a nasty player. He was just mistiming challenges. Paul Rowley has has a few things to say about that. How can you mistime a headbutt, I think he says. Uh, Plenty of good chat later on uh, with Paul about Salford, the most potent attack in Super League, he reckons. The playoff picture in the Championship, his former club, Lee, dealing with obsessive compulsive disorder. That's a really fascinating chat uh, and loads of other stuff as well. So that's well we're sticking around for in just a few minutes. Paul Rowley is my guest for this week's big interview. Josh McAllister, Love Rugby League's reporter with me prior to that, just to uh, preamble and guide our way through some of the big talking points before we get into the big interview. Great to see you, Josh. And we always start with where were you over the weekend? Which game uh, were you at? It's normally quite boring, from my point of view, because I'm either at Featherstone or Cornwall or both, <laughs> um, you, you tried to put yourself about a bit more, and you actually speaking of Paul Raleigh, we're at the Salford game.
2: Yeah, that was a nice link. I was at the Salford game against Catalans, and um, I, you, you would have probably argued. I'm not saying every game that Salford have played this year, but for what I have seen, it was probably Salford's best performance. They were, they were, there was a there was a time early on in the second half. They must have defended six, seven, maybe even eight sets on their own line. And they defended it well. And there was it ended with Dion Cross put a massive hit on Mitchell Piers, forced the knock on. There was another time they put him into touch. It was just constant pressure and they, they kept him out. It was probably the best defensive efforts they've seen all season. And they celebrated it like they'd won the game with every little win. Um it, it was probably yeah, their, their best performance over the dragons at the AJ Bell Stadium. Let me tell you it was boiling hot as well. I was sat in the shade and I was hot.
1: So fair play to the players on the pitch. But that's that's another point. It was Catalan conditions, and they were still. Able to beat the Catalan Dragon. What what were the Dragons like? It's it, it seems there's a bit of a wobble there at the moment. Not helped by a ridiculous injury list that they're having.
2: Y- yeah, th- that was one of the major talk points after the game. I think Paul Early said they've got 12 players on the sideline. Catalans are just as bad, hit with injuries. Steve McNamara he, he acknowledged that they're going through a bit a bit of a of a roller coaster, a bit of blip at the minute. Um, he thinks at, from what from what what I heard, he thinks he can turn it around in, in time for the players. He said there's there's plenty of time. It, uh, until then so they can turn it around but yeah they, they haven't been going too well recently have they? Defeat uh, well, the Magic and obviously this one and they just they just weren't good there was just no there was I don't I don't know what it was they just didn't look all connected they started some Tomkins, Mitchell Pierce, Josh Drinkwalker but the attack
1: just wasn't fluent uh, That playoff picture uh, indeed the picture across Super League is absolutely fascinating at the moment after the weekend fixture St Helens uh, with that four point lead over Wigan as we, as we know at the top and then it's It's Huddersfield three points behind Wigan and the Catalan now in fourth, a point further back. And Castleford fifth, Hull FC sixth, Salford, Hull KR, Leeds, Warrington, take your pick. All in touching distance of of spot number six. Adrian Morley telling us on the Love Rugby League podcast last week that Salford just need to get in there. That's what Leeds used to do. Just get in there. I'm not saying this Salford side has, has the firepower that that iconic lead side had but just get in there and they could cause a few problems. And, you know, before we get into the Paul Rowley big interview, it's, I really like watching him. I really like the feel I think he's a, he's a terrific coach. He's brilliant to talk to. I could have talked to him for hours, which admittedly would have made a very boring podcast, but I, I was just fascinated by everything he was saying. And he actually says that spine is, is up there with the very best with, with Briley, with Sneed, with Croft. He says they've got their own three man WhatsApp group called the spine, where they just talk about plays and you know what? I do. I, I agree with Morley. There's a lot I disagree with Adrian Morley about last week, but I agree with him when he says if, if Solver can sneak in, I, I think there could be a banana skin for a few clubs.
2: Yeah, I think Brody Croft is proving to be one of the, the, the best signings of the season um, play, playing in the halves. There, there, there was a moment as well after the game, Ryan Briley said that they're, that they're not off the cuff. A lot of people say they're off the cuff. They're not off the cuff. They practice these plays. They, they are just that good at attacking that it looks off the cuff, but they are they are just that good. And it's mad what a couple of wins can do because a couple of weeks ago, the likes of KR and Salford, you could have put them in that sort of relegation battle. You know, you were a couple of points above. A couple of wins later, now, now everyone's pushing for the, the sixth spot, apart from two clubs, Wakefield and Toulouse, battling it out for Super League survival. Every other club is still fighting for the fifth and sixth spot in Super League, aren't they?
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's, that was the big result of the weekend, which I haven't really mentioned. I know I, I bang on a lot about Toulouse. I've been saying all season, they're not the worst team. They won't go down. And suddenly if the season finishes, Today they wouldn't go down because it's Wakefield who are rock bottom. Toulouse obviously beating my boys Leeds and full value for that victory. But but Wakefield, you just you just wonder where on earth they're going to get out of this because what is it Saints next? You know the fixture list isn't kind. Toulouse have got a nice little run of home games, albeit against I think Salford Hull FC. But they're the form team at the bottom. They you know they have the momentum, and I'd be very very worried if I was Willie Poaching.
2: You'd be a bit nervous, wouldn't you, if you was a Wakefield fan? He says Salehans up next. To lose his next two games at home are massive. I think this one against Salford. Salford, poor Ellie. He's not been afraid to say that they've got a pretty small squad already. And in, in terms of injuries, twelve on the sideline. They've just had Sam Luckily suspended, so they'll probably only be going over with 18, 19 fit players. So to lose a win, a win this weekend is a, is a massive one because you can't see Wakefield getting a score over Ellens.
1: Uh, we talk a lot about about Warrington on the Love Rugby League podcast, so maybe we'll we'll give them a break this week. But they, you know, they did have that that very very humbling return for Daryl Powell back to his former club Castleford, and that you know that's another another real problem for him to try and resolve to a mounting list. It was interesting to see him go over and try and appease the fans afterwards. I was actually at the Halliwell Jones Stadium last night um, delivering an offload session with Rugby League Cares. Um, you know the drop in sessions helping men with with their mental health. And it was so hot, we, we actually just sat in the seats in the Hallowell Jones. It was interesting to note um, that they've taken all the, the painted lines off the pitch. It made me think, is that, is that their secret weapon now? They're going to remove all the markings so, so, so they can creep up offside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they need every, every bit of help they can get at the moment, albeit just at a time of recording, at time of press, they're poised, I think, Josh, to a, to announce a, a, a new acquisition, aren't
2: they? Yeah, a new sign-in. It's... Uh embargoed for, for half eleven, but obviously this will be out there after then. Josh Maguire's signing. So that's it for, for Warrington, really, isn't it? Is Daryl Powell this year's that's transition year? He was brought in. He probably this squad isn't his squad, is it? it he was brought in pretty late. So next year's his squad. So that's the real season where hopefully he'll he'll get to prove what he can do and that he's one of the top coaches in Super League. That's I think their fourth prop signing for next season. I think they're gonna go from one of the Weaker packs of the season to so arguably the best pack next year with the signing Sam Cassiano Gildudson as well. I,
1: that. I completely agree with you, and I, I was talking to a lot of what everyone I was speaking to last night at, at this offload session were Warrington fans, um, very frustrated Warrington fans. I just kept saying, "Just wait till next season. Just, 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 just suck it up this season. Just suck it up because you'll be all right. You've still got one of the best coaches around, and next season you'll have one of the best packs around. You'll be all right." Um, so they need need a little bit of patience there. Just before you know, we get into the big interview with Paul Rowley. There's there's three other things I just want to mention. Obviously, the awful rugby league news really over the weekend was was the sudden and untimely passing of uh, you know. Speaking of big packs of, of Ricky Bybee, who any rugby league any Super League fan will know, And I think a lot of people were, were shocked by the news of, of his passing over the weekend. And um, obviously, all our thoughts of love rugby league go, go to Ricky's friends, his his close circle, his family. Um, and I think I'll leave it to Paul Rowley, who, who delivers a lovely tribute. He, he knew him very well, um, and he, he has some lovely words for, for Ricky in, in the big interview, which is coming up in a, in a second. So I think I'll leave that with, with Paul um, to say that, but, but just wanted to, 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 to mark that and what a, what a sudden and shock and horrible thing it was for everyone to hear and, and read and all our thoughts with, with Ricky Bybee's, his family and close friends. Um, in terms of the other uh, news, Rugby League news, it was, it was Victor Radley uh, and it was Bevan French. And, and a word on Bevan French, you know, his, his seven try feet just underlined what an explosive player he is. One of the best players in, in Super League. And also, I think the talking point, Josh, here is, is, is the partnership, which we've talked about a lot this year on the Love Rugby League podcast, with I Field. I think it's up there with the best we've ever seen. Anywhere, not just in Super League, and anywhere. It, it, it's actually got me reminiscing about some of the glory days in Rugby League. Is this, is this the best strike partnership that we've ever seen in Super League? I'm trying to think of anything that will rival it. And do let us know if you're listening to this, get in touch with Love Rugby League on the website, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you are on social media. I'm thinking Maguire-Burrow. I'm thinking Skull long although that was a different kind of partnership with Long just on, on the big man's shoulder. And of course... You know the twin attacking towers at Bradford Bulls in those iconic days of of Leslie Vinicola and Tavita Vicona. It was obviously the volcanoes record that Bevan French beat. And spare a thought to Hull FC, who were the opponent in <laughs> in both of those games, the sixth try Vinicolo and the seventh try French. But uh, I, I don't know what you what you think. Obviously, you're a bit younger than me, but this is this I think this is up there with the best I've ever seen. And, and also what we need to remember is the fact that Bevan French is playing out of position. <laughs> He's playing on the wing just because. Jai Field isn't that comfortable playing there, so Field gets his fullback spot, and French has to. You just go and stand on the wing, and he's still doing what he's doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and even if you watch the highlights, the finishes aren't easy finishes. I think he, a couple of tries, he has to beat two, three, four defenders still, still to get there. They're definitely a creative duo. One, one of the best to watch as well. Bevan French, obviously, his, his future hasn't been decided yet. Obviously, it's it's no secret he wants to return to the NRL. But he, while he's in Super League, let's let's enjoy him. Drew was there at the game, seven seven tries, and that was in uh, was it fifty six minutes? Then he got took yeah. off. It could have been it could have been double figures by the end of the game because then three of, them,
1: three of them set up by Field, who scored two himself as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they're just a creative duo that maybe Wigan have been lacking these past couple of years, and hopefully they can. Well, I say hopefully because a bit biased, uh, but hopefully they can lead Wigan to a bit of glory this year. Obviously, we've already we've got the Challenge Cup. It's about time somebody competes with St. Helens. Obviously, they've been ahead of everyone, miles ahead for the past couple of years. So this Wigan side look like the best of competing against them this year.
1: Uh, fantastic to watch. Obviously, the big question is where, where Bevan French is going to be playing his, his rugby league next year, links, heavy links to the NRL. I understand that but actually there's been no official interest from, from a, a single NRL club yet. I, I've also been told, I think I mentioned this on the Love Rugby League podcast before, that the French's agent has, has met with Lee. Um, Just to sound out potential move there, whether or not that would happen or not, not entirely sure, but I'm told there have been discussions there already. So so watch this space on that. Uh, Finally then, before we get to Paul Rowley's big interview on on Victor Radley, huge news from the NRL that the Sydney Roosters loose forward has declared his intention and signalled his intent to play for England at the World Cup. A bigger call than it looks this. It's not just, I want to play in this tournament. Uh, I thought back to Sam Burgess going over to Rugby Union, which was, effectively just to play in the rugby union world cup because that was it and then he was back and it was an ill-fated kind of time in union this isn't that it was it, it, he sacrificed a lot he can't play for the kangaroos he's born in sydney new south wales he can't play origin now so this was a massive call his dad's a sheffield wednesday fan he's made this decision um i have not seen a lot of him but what i've seen he looks good and he's only going to strengthen He's only going to strengthen that England camp. Actually, James Graham rang me up. He was so excited Monday morning saying, I need to speak to you about this guy. I need to speak to you about how good he is. Um, So, hey, that was nice. It's always great to speak to James Graham. But I would say, well, what about Morgan Knowles? Adrian Morley on the Lover of Billy podcast last week would say Morgan Knowles is is England's leader. Surely he would play 30. Graham's view is that they can play them both. Um, Maybe Knowles plays 11, 12 alongside alongside Radley but it was uh, I thought it was a big big bit of news and it it can only strengthen England has already strengthened England Josh
2: yeah I think fans have a bit bit of a split decision because obviously he was born in Australia but you say massive decision for him because not only state of origin but the money that they are paid in state of origin is life changing really you play a couple of games it's massive money so he's turned his back and you mentioned James Graham on his own podcast said that he thought he believes Victor Radley would have been playing for New South Wales next season But he's decided to go for England instead and, you know, say fans have split decisions. But if James Graham is this excited about a player, then I think the rest of us should be on board
1: and be this excited about Victor Radley,
2: who's James Graham says is one of the best 13s in in
1: the game. Yeah, he described him to me as a defensive animal. Very good uh, ball movement, short hands, very good attacking, bit of a hothead. Takes one to know one, I guess. Um, but he was, uh, yeah, he was he was delighted with that with that news. So let us know your thoughts on that as well. Uh, on love rugby league, do you do you agree with it having Aussie voices in the England camp? Are you all right with that? Uh, and will there be more to follow? Of course, Jackson Hastings perhaps would be the next. James Graham, I asked him that, and he said, "I know I know that he wants to play, so maybe it's up to Sean Wayne. His form is all right, but he's in a team that's struggling. Maybe that's going to be the barrier rather than anything else." We will see, but it was, it's a really big talking point. Right, let's uh, let's get into the big interview. Josh, great to see you as always. This week's big interview, fascinating chat in the company of the Salford Red Devils head coach. Paul Rowley is this week's Love Rugby League big interview.
0: Keep up with all things rugby league 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com.
1: Welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of Rugby League's big names. And this week's guest is the head coach of a team hopeful now of creeping and perhaps causing a few issues for other teams in the Betfred Super League playoffs. Paul Rowley, the head coach of Salford, uh, is this week's guest. Hi, Paul. How are you?
3: Hi, George. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Good, thanks. uh, Enjoying the sunshine.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to we're going to chat for a bit and then you can get out in it. But um, what a win, first of all. For you last weekend against the Catalan Dragons, put that one into context for us.
3: Um, yeah, we've had we've had good form. To be fair, we we beat Wakefield. Uh, obviously, that was a good win. Warrington away, I just feel that Magic was a, a tough loss to take. And then uh, and then obviously the the top four club came, which um, we've not beaten a top four club. So it was important uh, that we you know that we made our mark and probably a little bit of a yardstick really how far we've come throughout the year. Um, I think, you know, the first 12, and we spoke about this pre-season, obviously we do the launch and everybody wants you as a coach to give us a prediction. Where will you finish? What will be a success? What will be a failure? And I never do. I always say, under-promise, over-deliver. But in-house, obviously, we speak a little bit differently. And uh, we spoke about gaining respect and changing people's opinions uh, at the beginning. And that's what it was all about, going week to week. Um, When we got to... The point where we'd played everybody once, uh, we that was on the back of a Wigan and Saints, both narrow losses but great performances. We openly said within our group that this is now we're transitioning, we've got to go from performance to results. And and from that point, to be fair to the players, um, I think in in, in our little form league, as you like, we were, we're set fourth. So our form's been good and 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 obviously culminated in a really gritty, spirited performance against Catalan and, uh, you know, and some tries that, well, I think, I think I, don't, I, don't, I never feel embarrassed saying when something's world-class and we score some tries
1: that are world-class. What What I do like about you, Paul, and, you know, the press conferences I've been in where, where your team has won, you do that. You, you You'll talk up your team and you'll talk up your players and you'll say where they should be playing. If, if one of your players has a good game, he should be doing this for England. And you, you've got a, a, a selection of players there now doing some very good things mm. from, from my eyes. Yeah, 100%.
3: Um, and, and, and now, obviously, I'm going to start listing them off, George. <laughs> you know. um, and, and, you know, we'll start at the top with your old favourite, Callum's in there, isn't he? And, and he's a back rower. And I know he played centre for England and he, he, in the, the Nations game. But what a guy to have in your squad that can play centre and back row such a such a high standard, he's is, is such an athlete, um, to me, is a, is, a, is a rare commodity and he's nailed on uh, in any international squad and, and obviously everybody knows what he's like, you more than most, off the field. Uh, his character is unquestionable as well, so uh, the all round product. And then we're just going to keep going now. So we've got Brodie Croft who came to us a little bit of a damage saw, so, uh, probably were on high on everybody's shopping list, but he's found himself. He's rediscovered himself and, has, and he's been allowed to do that. And he's been allowed to grow as a leader as well. And And what we're seeing now is a guy who, who leads by his actions, leads by his words. He's he's becoming more and more accomplished. He's still on the journey uh, and he'll be the first to, to tell you that. But I think brody will always be on a journey because he's so conscientious and willing to learn and, and better himself. Um, again, good character. Uh, and so we'll go off script now a little bit with uh, Dion Cross and Tyler Dupree. Um, Two kids who's, who's one, come from Championship this year, one at the end of last year. Um, yeah, 100%. They've not followed followed the natural pathway. We, we, we see a lot about the England Knights and, and and there's a lot of narrative around they've come through the pathway, the talent pathway. Well, not everybody goes that route. Uh, they it shouldn't, it shouldn't be hamstrung by it. Um, they should be, you know, they're a late developer. or Because let's not forget, we, we all need a little bit of luck as well. Maybe that little bit of luck comes later in the career. Uh, Tyler's still young. Um, Dion's 27. Good athlete. Been great. I'd love to see him get some some recognition. I'm not going over the top with Dion. I just, I think at the nights. I think I'd love to see him in that environment because it'd be good for his development uh, and and you never know do you, what what you might on earth as well, so
1: I could keep going george but uh... <laughs> but you know you're right you've you know you've got some i was going to bring up Brodie Croft because I hadn't seen a great deal of Brodie Croft, as you say i mean i've you know I've watched Callum all my life it seems and he's been great to see how revitalized he has been since his injury and also in a different position and wonderful to see him back um in England Reckoning as well. Brodie Croft, t- tell me how good he is and, and just elaborate a bit more about, you know, you, I think you called him a damaged soul. <laughs> in, in, in what way? Um, well,
3: I, I don't think it's a secret to anybody that uh, in the NRL you get battered, don't you? Let's be honest. If you're not winning, it's the pivot's fault or the coach's fault and you get battered. Um, and I think he's been battered for a good couple of years over the um, you know press-wise uh, he obviously started <coughs> excuse me, at Melbourne <coughs> excuse me George at Melbourne Storm with the you know the, the GOATs, if you like Cameron Smith Cooper Crom Billy Slater um, so you're fitting into a regime there aren't you you're expected to play a support role uh, as we've seen over the years with Riley Jacks he's done a similar sort of thing um, so probably never really learning about what you are what your strengths are uh, more about Facilitated the strengths of those three individuals, which I totally get. Um, he, he's then gone on to to Brisbane Broncos, a team that's been underperforming and um, you know in a difficult situation, and and been been thrust into a leadership role. Um, which a, let's not forget, he's still a, a young lad. You know, he's 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 still learning. He's he's not discovered himself, and he's thrown into that pressure pot. Um, so, so that's what I mean by damaged soul. I don't think he's been allowed to breathe, allowed to grow. Just take the, sh- the spotlight off him for a little bit uh, and let him be himself and let's see what Brody Croft is. Let's, let him learn about himself. Um, and I, I must say, since coming to the club, the, the players that have been around him, Sneedy and Ryan Briley in particular, uh, have been as good for him as he has been for them. I think, I think the three of them have been fantastic uh, with each other, with the group, and, and for us as coaches as well. And when I say us, uh, obviously myself, I've got Kurt, Agathe and Danny Hart beside of me who are responsible for a lot of the coaching that goes on. And, you know, I think it's a, quite an easy thing to say, oh, it's down to the staff. I think it's important that you know the names of the staff. Mm. And, and, and the two closest to me are Kurt, Agatine and Danny O, and they're responsible for a lot of that. Uh, in particular, Kurt does a lot of work with, with the pivots and, and the spine. And, and like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's praise, but it's important that it's, it's really specific to them names, you know, that they've done it. And, and and then keep going on with Brody, but I just think he enjoys the environment. It's a tough environment. We, we, we give him loads and loads of feedback. Uh, he gives us double the feedback back. Because he's so uh, conscientious in what work he does away, he'll come in on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and, and he'll have watched three games of our next team already, and he's chipping away. They've had a little bit of a combo with the spine on their little spine. WhatsApp groups, three of them there, uh, and they're already throwing ideas at us, uh, and, and it makes it to a point where, as coaches, we just we just guide him and, and maybe say well, you're doing this really well, but what about this? Or we might say, you keep doing this one particular movement or play, I don't think it works for you, and these are the reasons why. And so we all challenge one another, but we all just open each other's mind and, and we're all learning. Uh, and I think that's probably what Salford, as a group, the group that we've got, and we speak a lot about the circle, nothing in, nothing out, Um we're, we're a good group, we're a tight group, uh, but we're, we're pretty good at what we do as well. Um, we're not well-resourced, it's not a secret, uh, and, and that's where, I guess, we do grow a bit from that because I know as a coach, sometimes I feel sorry for the boys, they deserve a little bit more at times. Uh, they didn't deserve to travel up on, on the bus to Magic at half seven in the morning and then play. Uh, that hurts me a little bit, that um, I, I don't want them to have to do that. Because to be where they're sat in the league now, uh, and more important than to be performing at the level that they've performed throughout the year, is testament to uh, the character of the group. And, and you can't question the
1: character. Even in defeat, you can't question the character of, that, of, of the group. Is there anything you can do about that? You, you do, I mean, pretty much every interview you give, you will, you know, I, I, I always notice when you, you talk about resource and recruitment, which, which, makes me think you're really frustrated by, by how it is. Is there anything you can do about it or just accept where you no, are and how it is?
3: I wouldn't say I'm frustrated, but uh, I always try and be honest in, mm. in my answers. So uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm told something that I can't have, uh, my answer is this is the right footballing decision. Tell me what we can have and I'll deal with it. And then we move real quick. So we don't dwell on anything. We don't get flustered. We don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, And and I think Toronto taught us a lot about that. Um, And and you'll probably ask me about that later. But, you know, being in Toronto, sometimes the team bus didn't turn up. We caught a tramp with the public with all our medical beds and stuff. (laughs) We knew there'd be bumps in the road and it set us in good stead. And Kurt was with me there as well, some of the players. Uh, and it's taught us not to sweat the small stuff, not to take ourselves uh, too serious, uh, have fun, uh, know when to switch on. But we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty resilient. And, and one thing we've consciously done all year as staff, and the players probably won't be aware of it, but we've tried to stay away from too much routine to, to make us a little bit more um, hard and and resilient. So, myself, as well as a player, I remember. I knew what I was doing on a morning. I, I, I knew what music I was listening to, in what order, what what I was eating. And if something slightly went off, off-piste, off it, it rattled me as a professional. And I see that a lot in professionals because, um, well, I am diagnosed OCD. I know a lot of people and players in particular have OCD tendencies. Uh, and so we've, we've really tried to mix up uh, how we how we space our training days out. So it's not always routine. So different, not scary for our group. So we're not, we're not afraid when things are different or things aren't quite right. Uh, and I think that's been, you know, really good for us. Like I said, the players won't probably realise that we've done that, but it's been a conscious uh, decision by the coaching group, really. So I'm really pleased we did that. And, and we've got, we have got a resilient group.
1: I don't think I knew that you were managing... OCD uh, uh, how uh, how do you manage that how does uh, you know, how does that impact you uh, well <clears throat> it depends what your OCD is
3: at half the time doesn't it so um, I think again the experiences have, have helped me to to learn and 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 deal with um, having OCD or or you know being being totally uh, full on or or I'm just full on. I like to win. I like things to be right as a player. You know, I remember seeing John Bentley chatting to him a few, few months ago and, and he said, wow, well, you're, you're miles more chilled these days, you know, because as a player, I couldn't get my head around people who weren't as tuned in as, as I was. And, and I, and I looked at them as though they were hampering me you now because they're affecting my group. And, and so I, I was trying to control everybody around me in my environment and and in a sport like Rugby League, where there's so many different, wonderful characters, I should, if I, should, I had a regret, I regret not embracing the, the characters that I, I probably played alongside and then joined the company more uh, because I was too full on a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, interesting when I started coaching, I did a, I was very fortunate, I got to do a self-analysis on myself through a company who, 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 who use this really high tech uh, uh, analysis system for top employees top executives you're not meant to see your own but I wanted to see my own uh, and it gave me the full print out and, and and there were no surprises but it sometimes to read what you are is is quite eye-opening and it enables you to change a little bit so mm. a lot a lot of mine was um, suited to military um, like like bedside manner, and so, 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 whilst I can still, still, I'd like to think I still retain that direct approach and honest approach. Um, I, I would, I would 100% say that, um, I've got a huge amount of empathy, sympathy, and and care and love for people in in, in my environment. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a, most players who've been coached by me will be able to tell you. A private story about an occasion where I've looked after them or they've cried on my shoulder probably cried back with them uh, but but coaches will tell you that, that's the job uh, and that's managing and that's why it's important that I've got a couple of good guys in Curt and Danny at the side of me to coach uh, and and I coach and manage and the management is the true skill
1: of it all in my opinion I'm trying to think of the story, what did Ryan Briley? was it a story he told me was it Tim Laffey or something? He moved him out of his house because there was damp in there. Was that is that was that right? A story yeah. something like that? Yeah, they don't.
3: I think it takes especially from the NRL. I think it takes them a, a while to realize that they can ring me because they used to be so like. it's there's a there's a department that he needs to go to, and this is a circle. And and I want to know everything, and uh, and I, I want to deal with it, and I want to treat them like as I said to Tim. When you're here, I'm your dad. That's it. I look after you. That's it. And, 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 it, and there'll be an occasion what will generally remain private that they'll realise, oh, my, yeah, he, he's good. He'll, do, he'll look after me and they'll know I look after him and I'll, and I'm a player first um, before anything else. I'm players. People say you're a players man. I'm a players man, if that's what it, you want to call it. Uh, I look after my players first. Before anything, that's
1: the most important thing. Absolutely fascinating, all that. I'm just going to ask you one more on Salford before we, we talk about a couple of other things. Adrian Morley was our guest on, on this podcast last week and um, obviously a Salford boy, he's, he still goes, doesn't he, with his, with yeah. his lads who are, who are Salford fans. He reckons if you can just get in the playoffs that you might be able to cause a few people some problems. Do you agree?
3: Yeah, I saw a few clips and most... Uh, I don't read a lot of rugby media however he tickled me because you questioned him on his sending off,
1: didn't you George? Um, oh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he didn't like it when I said the referee the referee dealt with his 12 second one well <laughs> he said no, no he should have put it on report well, If I recall correctly I think he said most of them were like clumsy
3: or reactionary yeah, or something. Not premeditated You can see he's involved because he's using words now that you're using in, in, in the disciplinary but <laughs> um I'm sat there listening to that and thinking he said he said I think I can only remember one uh where he he, he, he cracked somebody or something. Uh but I'm thinking I'll keep reading because he must mention <laughs> the headbutt somewhere and got three match ban. He must mention that somewhere, but he never did. So he must Which one was that? that? One. Sorry,
1: I was I was talking over you there, the headbutt.
3: Yeah, uh, against Leeds at the Shea, I think we won 21 20 and he got a 3 match ban for uh, an Ebb, but in typical Moz fashion, um, I were hanging on to him for dear life. He was shaking me about, and, like, like, you know, and, and, uh, and thought, I think he just thought, well, what should I do now? And <laughs> me. Uh, and, and all the bashers came in uh, Daz Cleary, Farrell, Kelvin, yeah. Rhino, uh, yeah. and good memory, but. I think he did give me a mention in his book for that. So and and I'm not sure if it said it's the only one he ever regrets. So he's uh, I'm, I'm quite happy about that. But I see him as regular and he's he's a good guy. So back to your question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let him get away with it, George. Yeah, um, no. actually, I think uh yeah, everybody will said said the same about their own team. Um there's some, there's some telling stats on our team that um, you know we have the least territory, the least possession, but we've got the third best points scored in in Super League. So we we really I think that really says we're the most potent attacking team in Super League when you when you pull all that to pieces. Um, and so that for us is a really proud uh, a proud achievement um, because it means that we work hard on our detail and and the players execute the detail extremely well. And it progressed and learned throughout the season. So um, obviously, we, 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 we with the other side of the game we need to improve on, which is sometimes just doing the tough stuff out of yardage. Um, but we play to our strengths, and if we get in the playoffs, then like every coach would say, you know, we won't be there to just make up numbers. But and we're a dangerous team. I'll always say we're a dangerous team. So um, yeah, it's interesting chatting to Matty Peters today and. We referenced our last game, uh, the one that was on Sky, and and it were it were really nice actually because he was very complimentary about all the GPS and the intensity was the only time that they uh, emulated the grand final uh, game. That was the that was the only time that they they got anywhere close to it was in that game. So we're doing some things right, and what that says is we're trying very very hard. So the efforts there uh, so. Defeat, win, whatever. I'll be really proud of the group because I know what they do every day of every week and how, how much they want to win every week. Um, obviously, you know, as every team does, they send the troops out there with all sorts of injuries and, and all, all held together with strapping and stuff like that. But um, we play a good sport and it's full of good people. And uh, and, and and you know, chatting to one of them yesterday, Matty he's done a great job there as well. So um I think especially in the coaching world, I think I'll use that word empathy. I think most coaches empathize with one another and, and probably the only ones that you know come, they probably are we're probably each other's best friend in that respect because we're we're in a little uh 12 person bubble that kind of
1: knows each other's pain. <laughs> yeah yeah. Um yeah I did want to ask you about Toronto you mentioned I don't want to dwell on it but you you were there, I think, was it right at the start you were there, the inaugural Toronto? Yeah, um, I was there. So what what were your experiences of it?
3: Well, I was there for a year before it started, and, and, mm. and part of that were doing uh, trials around North America, in Vancouver, Jamaica, uh, Tampa, Philadelphia, and and Toronto. So uh, probably say it was about the best thing I've ever done in, in sport, I'm being honest. So... Uh, what a wonderful experience. We, we, have a, we have a past players group, as most teams do, a WhatsApp group, and it's entertaining, uh, that, that group. And I remember my first speech on uh, brighouse Field where we practised. That was our first training ground. We were in a porter cabin because uh, they all say, oh, the, the money money boys I was in a porter cabin on brighouse Field uh, with no training kit. We sat down in the mud on the front and... Uh, And I said, look, uh, if you've ever toured, the thing is, on a touring team, and I remember John Keir said this to me when I toured with Great Britain Academy, and he said it to the group, and I replicated his speech, and it was, uh, you'll meet friends for life, and memories forever, you'll make memories forever. It's special. And I said, effectively, they're doing six or seven tours every year. And I can tell you, the group of players that shared that journey Is that everybody has the same opinion? It was an unbelievable experience. I mean, from pitching the first pitch at Blue Jays Baseball uh, to opening stock exchange to speaking in Parliament to being VIP at Conor McGregor in Mayweather. Like, what's going on here? It's it's like, (laughs) oh, it's good. But the best bit about it was the the lads, the group of lads and and John Key was quite right what he said all them years ago Um, and and yeah it was uh, not to delve too much because it could be a long one but and I said to David Argyle to this day and I said it then you should have put your money in (coughs) creating six North American teams you shouldn't have tried to conquer the English market because they didn't know a good player from a bad player you could have got you could have got a lot of championship players set your own rules Create a rivalry and um, I can tell you what they do over there they love it and they'll spend money and they've got money uh, I reckon they're that close to to
1: being like take off so real shame really real shame but good so do you think that what what they're trying to do now with this American league do you think that will do you think that will take off well <clears throat> I'm a bit
3: confused with it all really because there seems to be two two strands to it so, so straight away they need to unify uh, strangely enough I got offered a job a couple of years ago um, just before COVID to run the western side of America a football director um, the LA side uh, they were going to take it all to Vegas this, they were on the phone can we can we get you out in two weeks into Vegas we want you to coach the blackjacks the entertainers they'll be I think Lance Ohio was involved as a consultant or uh, flying in and out and it was all a bit a bit wacky really and it got bumped because of Covid I wasn't going to take the job by the way uh, however it, it, it did uh, it, we, we sat up and thought oh hold on a minute uh, stars are aligning here because we did want to try America uh, someone offered us a, a, to buy our house apples that week it wasn't even up for sale we are like oh my god something's telling me to go here um, but my me, me, me boy were quite poorly through uh, Covid so we just right, looked after after him, so um, but yeah, back to your question again. Well, we've partnered up with Copheads, uh, Southwestern Florida. Um, so um, we've got family in Sarasota, so I, I went there and spent some time with, with those guys. They came over to Magic this time. Uh, there's no money there, but there's people who want it to work. I think you need, as, as tough as it is, I think you need another. F- five or six Argyles to be happy to waste a few quid. He spent 20 million, you know, so love him or hate him, he spent 20 million. So you didn't need to spend that. So if you could get five or six, who's just going to put put a few quid in to get it going. Uh, the sports networks over there, will look at the value of the contracts and their sports, like, the the, the the rugby league over his back pocket change to the size of their contracts you know Canadian football uh, MLS MLB all that you know the the ones but uh, I hope I hope it it takes off
1: I don't know why. I hope it will I'm not I'm not uh, expecting but I'm hopeful uh, let's let's spend the last last little few minutes talking about Lee obviously you're 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 known I would say for for Lee Lee boy. Spent a lot of time there. What have, what have you made of their dominance this season in, in the Championship? Yeah, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm Lee through and through. Um, or I'm born and bred in Lee, as simple as that. So, um, well, they're, they're by far the best team. Um, you know, I thought at the first, I thought Featherstone Rovers uh, have got the streetwise um, they, and they've got that camaraderie that they've been together for quite some time. Um, from the outside, not knowing any detail, I think they've messed with the team quite a bit, and it looks unsettled. Uh, and and when I saw them play uh, Lee in the uh, in the cup there, I just thought one looked like a professional team and one looked like a part-time team. I, I thought they were they were streets apart. And if I'm being honest, I think um, I've watched my other old club Halifax play recently, and I would set there ahead of Fev at the minute. So really. Uh, yeah, just, just from what I've seen, and I've not seen every week, so I, I guess it will be taken t- as an insult, but I don't mean it to be. Um, like I say, I think, I think what Feverson have done now for a long time, even before I started coaching, Lee we were always Fev. Then we took over the mantle a bit, but it was always the, the you know the big game. So, um, yeah, I, I hope they find the form again. Uh, because it would be a shame for them to to, to peter out after they've, they've been on this journey and, and they've been so good. Uh, a lot of good people, that have got a great fan base and you know they've done a lot of work on the stadium. So, uh, But I can't see anything or anybody uh, challenging my old team and, and uh, I'm looking forward, I reckon, to seeing the Lee Centurions
1: in Super League. Can, can, they be, can they sustain that? Can they be a sustainable... Super League club, what do they have to do to make sure they don't just go and have a year and then come back again?
3: Yeah, um, I absolutely think they can. I think uh, the circumstances surrounding the last time they were in Super League was, you know, they were they were there by default, if you like. They put their hand up to step in and, and uh, admirably make up the 12th team, but obviously on the back foot. Um, and then after it seemed like they made a decision not to, throw all the resource into signing players that were left uh, and and they played the long game and and which is sometimes hard to take but if the long game means them getting up this time with a more strategic recruitment uh, plan then absolutely they can, absolutely so yeah, I've got no doubt
1: What's Derek Beaumont like to work for? (laughs) Um,
3: Passionate challenging um, but you know, anyone who puts the money into into this great sport, um, you you've got to respect that. So uh, yeah, you you know, I think I think Derek likes someone who who challenge him back as well. So you, you know, you can't be uh, you, you, you can't just sit on the fence.
1: It's, you know, so there's good and bad. Um, just just while we're on on Lee, you will have known Ricky Bybee, won't you? I, I um, did, yeah. I mean, that that was just shockingly awful news uh, over the weekend what were your memories of Ricky
3: yeah I'm glad you gave me I'm glad you brought it up really because I've not had the opportunity to to say it public anywhere and just pass on my sympathies because you're quite right and I see Ricky quite regular because um, his partner's son is in my boys class so we we speak quite regular Um, Ricky's Ricky's always been uh, a daft character, in, like in a, in a good sense of the word, um, but a great character as well. Um, and you know, I've got a, I've got a great picture actually of me and him getting sent off at the Willows. Um, <laughs> each other, and we're both flying like, on the fence, like that. So, and we had to get a taxi home because there were nowhere safe to stand in the stadium because we were getting so much uh, echoing. But I um, was really. Really, really sad the other day when I heard the news. Very, very sad. It was was, uh, upset, really. Very upset because, um, like I said, I do seem quite regular and I do enjoy chatting with him. We always, as all rugby players do, we're supposed to be watching the kids play rugby. We end up just talking about old stories and stuff. So um, when I took over at Lee, we only had two props and it was Ricky and Rob Parker. And 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 on the rugby side, <clears throat> they were phenomenal. then too were phenomenal. Fully, um, so uh, on the rugby sense, it, 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 it sad as a teammate, but as a person as well. Um, you know, he's 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 got a good heart. Or he had a good heart, Ricky. And uh, and, and and again, I'm really sad and, and and sorry that his family and friends, have, have, you know, have to go through this sad sad time. So. Uh, yeah,
1: different thoughts there. Yeah, really nice words, mate. All our thoughts with with mm-hmm. Ricky's family and and friends and all all those close to him. Um, I I always end these podcasts actually with a kind of deeper question, which you've kind of alluded to there, talking about the friendships you've formed through rugby league. But it's about you know life lessons from league. It's it it's more than just a sport, isn't it? As, as i always try and explain to people who don't really understand how rugby league has been such a big part of my life it teaches you so much more um so what what would you say that you have taken uh, from rugby league into your life that that has, has served you well and made you the the person you are for well
3: it's not what you take from rugby league it rugby league is your life uh, you are rugby league is is and I've heard some people who've retired say they want. I think with Corey Patterson actually say he likes being Corey Patterson the dad now, instead so of Corey Patterson the rugby player. But he'll always be Corey Patterson the rugby player because that's that's what we are. That's who we are. That's our DNA. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely about the people. It's hundred percent about the people. And for me, the experiences that I've had. Um, uh, <laughs> It's, it's unbelievable. Um, I'm fortunate enough, I'm still in the game coaching, but nothing ever beats playing. That's the best. And and I, and I always said this one line we've done something money can't buy. No matter what you've got, you can't buy what we've done. And and that's a really, really privileged uh, and proud group of people. I was saying men, but it's people these days, are uh, There's obviously
1: women now, which is great. So, um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Paul, I could chat with you all day, but the sunshine that needs you, sunbathing in it, I think. So I'm going to let you go. But uh, really, really great chatting. And uh, I've loved having you on. And I'll see you very soon. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. And that's Paul Rowley, this week's big interview. And we
0: will see you next week. for listening to the love rugby league podcast know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode eager for more rugby league news visit loverugbyleague.com sports
1: social podcast network